0: 卵の殻を
1: Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast about the 1997 anime, Revolutionary Utina. As always, I'm your host, a totally normal girl, Christine Palin. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, a totally normal boy, Derek Reining.
0: Yes, that's me. Hello. Love your dress. It'd be a shame if someone spilled an entire bottle of champagne on it.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about these two episodes. Um, I didn't expect to have as many interesting things to say about these two, but I actually... I don't, like, my notes are reasonable, but I, there were things I noticed that I didn't expect to notice, so I'm really excited to get into these. Uh, So just as a reminder to everyone, we're going to be discussing episodes two and three, For Whom the Rose Smiles, and On the Night of the Ball, so if you haven't watched them yet, go watch them, and then come back. Uh, So yeah, we're just going to jump right into it, because there's going to be a lot to discuss. Before we get into the meat of the episode, because I forgot to do it at the start last time, uh, so for the second episode for whom the rose smiles uh this one was directed and the storyboards were done by shingo kaneko uh who i couldn't find a ton about um him but he has worked on all of ikahara shows he's so you know he started out with it he's worked on every single one since and this was once again written by my boy um yoji so Mm -hmm. those are our little notes and we can just jump right into it
0: right um yeah and also um I believe both of these episodes have um Ud- Auntie getting slapped pretty hard, I think. Like there's some um, a little bit more of that continued sort of violent relationship between Sayonji and Auntie, so that's also something to keep in mind. Um but the fact that you were surprised you had a lot to say about episodes of Utana um does not ring true to me. You should not be surprised by this.
1: I know. I don't know why. I just like for some reason I was like, Oh, I'm I don't know like how many no- how many pages of notes I'm gonna have and you know Cause I just I guess I just didn't remember as much about the second episode in particular compared to the first episode, but there's a lot going on here. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So mm-hmm. I believe we open with Utana's groupies.
0: We do, yeah. We get some Utana sama's thrown out there, some vigorous blushing. Um, yeah, kind of. It's I feel like maybe the reason that this episode could blend in for someone is it's kind of like reestablishing some stuff we saw in the pilot but at like a on a quicker pace like we get utana (laughs) being worshipped by girls um and we get like obviously another dual sayonji but i agree yeah this episode i think is a lot more has a lot more depth to it than one might think just based on that
1: yeah, I noticed because we get the shots of Utena's groupies. We get like the framed shots of her outfit again, of her like posing. And then we get the establishing shots of Otori Academy again. We're reminded where, of what this place is called. So it's kind of like, hey, do you remember like what happened last episode? Um, but then after we get those establishing shots, we uh, see Utina arriving in class. And she sees Wakaba reading a book. And this is where we get the flashback reminding us what happened last episode, that Wakaba had her love letter to Sayonji posted on the... <laughs> Uh, poster board, and that is what incited um, Utina dueling Seonji. Uh, and in very classic Utina mode, she just walks up to Wakaba and basically is like, I've never seen you read before or like, something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love Utana so much. Like, first of all, um, the girls, I believe the word that they say, they go, she's so cool. And that, that is also me every time I see her. She is. Um, she is so cool. She is very cool. But um, I also do, like, I noticed in this episode... Like, Utena is extremely empathetic, even if, like, her words, like, she doesn't have, like, a lot of grace when she, like, is speaking. However, she, like, obviously can see Wakaba is in a lot of pain. She knows why Wakaba is in a lot of pain. And so her first instinct is to just try to cheer her up. By like, kind of negging her, I guess, yeah. but also I don't know, just trying to lighten the mood and make Wakaba feel better, and it seems to work.
1: Yeah, like Utina's like so well-intentioned, and like almost everything she does, and that doesn't, you know, change the fact that sometimes the execution is isn't the best, and she's a little dense. But it is a really cute scene, um, and and Wakaba like doesn't respond immediately, and she holds up a book. Who I believe the name of of the author on the book is Chio Sato, the, <laughs> the, the author mm-hmm. of the the manga. You don't see the full name, but it looks like it says Chio Sato. And she says, she's reading a book about a woman who's in love with a man and he doesn't love her back. And then another man comes into her life. And until now she always thought it was stupid, but now she thinks it's like the
0: best book ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that um, little part because I, I feel like that's such a universal idea that they're kind of throwing out here, which is like things that happen to you in your life can affect how you respond to fiction. And like obviously Waka was finding this sort of solace here in fiction. Um, which is playing, I guess, into these themes we've been kind of discussing, which is this idea of like a like a performative reality that's beyond ours, a fiction of sorts. And so it makes sense that one of the characters would kind of comment on that, like, yeah, I went to this traumatic thing and now I can enjoy this thing that I maybe didn't understand before on a deeper level.
1: Yeah, that was something i completely forgotten happened in this episode and on previous watches i didn't think much of it but it is this very like very obvious moment where she's like i've had my heart broken and now like i like this story about a woman getting her heart broken like is offers me sauce and also gives me hope because it's about another man coming into her life uh but then wakaba of course just jumps on her tonight again and says you're the only one for me Mm-hmm. Um, and Utena's basically like like cut it out with that shit <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Utena's cute not, yeah, Utena's not picking up the hints that she is the man who walks into Wakpa's life I guess <laughs> um, yeah and uh, I believe this is also the first time we're getting the um, student council speech correct I don't think we got yes, it in the first episode we did not
1: this is the first time we see the student council go up the elevator and talk about uh, cracking the world's shell um, yes
0: this is definitely, there's a lot here to unpack because they talk about this idea of a chick in an eggshell, and they refer to themselves as the chicks and their goal here is to crack the world shell so they can bring about the world revolution. Again, we have no idea what that means, um, but they sure do believe it.
1: Yeah, they all say it. And we, again, at this point, we still don't know the name of the orange haired person and the blue haired person. We only know in this scene Toga's name. Um, mean, Sayonji no longer, he was in the meeting last episode, but he's not there this time because the subject of the meeting is Sayonji's failure. Um, mm-hmm. So they have letters from whoever End of the World is, um, and they're all playing cards. And I was trying to look at the like the numbers they were like of the <laughs> cards they were putting down. I mean, the only thing that was just interesting out of the cards that were played is that um, Toga at the end of the scene puts down two jokers. Um, yes. I don't know what to make of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's, yeah, I believe I noticed that too. And he says it as he's talk, he brings up Utana and Athi, so I I think maybe that's something to read into. Maybe they're the two jokers in the deck here. Because, I mean, uh, th- they do make a lot about this idea of, like, uh, Utena not really being, uh, I mean, I guess a wild card, mm-hmm. if we're gonna use that yeah. word. She's kind of a wild card. Um, they didn't expect her to be here. They don't know how she got her Rose Crest ring. Apparently she doesn't get these letters that they're getting um, from End of the World, so like, I think that's just kind of one of those cards has to be Utena and I, yeah. like, maybe we can assume out is the other one we don't know
1: yeah and and there's a lot of discussion in this scene yeah about Utena and then the orange-haired girl in particular is like protest- protesting a lot about like this unknown participating in the duels and Toka like basically tells her to kind of like suck it up like we have to listen to the end of the world and he mentions that the castle in the sky appeared uh, just as end of the world told them it would so we know that now that these individuals kind of kicked off whatever is happening um when they received their letters and their rings um and that kind of you know she's been like okay that was enough for me to stay you know seeing the castle in the sky was enough for me to stay on this journey
0: um. Yeah, we yeah we get the sense that one, she is um, a stickler for rules, or at least she doesn't like this idea of someone kind of coming into a competition or whatever, like a late entry, um, and messing everything up. And she is willing to stick it out because she believes what she sees. Um, so maybe she's a bit of a skeptic or something. Um, but uh, we learn a lot about her. We still don't really know much about the blue haired person mm-hmm. other than the stopwatch <laughs> makes yeah. he another appearance. <laughs> um, something to track yeah we said. Um, and yeah so the two jokers um, and it's interesting they bring up this idea of the end of the world don't really know what that is it's sort of this mysterious figure or something entity that is sending them letters I don't think we even know what the letters say Other, they reference the contents but they don't ever say explicitly what it says um, and then I believe the very next scene, I think it's Wakaba, says, like, God is cruel or something, like, jokingly. And so, yeah, we get this, that line and, uh, Wakaba references God, like some sort of, uh, divine being or something that it, like, I, when we think of God, we think of, like, uh, like a figure that passes down messages to people and, like, not necessarily involved with the affairs of the world, but, uh, it, like, influences them. So it's like they're kind of bringing up this idea of God and end of the world, who's this other mysterious figure who's doling out mysterious messages to people. Um, So it's, I don't know, I, I assume there's something there, but it's just, I don't know, something to note that they put those two scenes pretty close together.
1: Yeah, and I thought I always thought it was funny that you know Uwakaba makes that comment about God, and Uta is basically like, "Well, it's not God; it's the student council <laughs> that chooses the dorms." Um, and so, you know, when you consider like what is the relationship between end of the world and the student council, um, it's certainly interesting to what is a yeah, like yeah, how, what is that connection mm-hmm. to this sort of like all powerful, seemingly all powerful thing?
0: <laughs> right, um, and also like yeah, it's. Uh, obviously this is kind of the scene where we learn that Utena is suddenly being sent to live with Auntie. Um and so there's obviously so, like whatever is going on with the Rose Bride and the duels clearly the school in some sense is involved like obviously we knew that because of the student council but I mean student council is not <laughs> the principal or anything of a school or a dean or whatever so clearly someone even above them is like allowing them to sort of dictate these things in accordance to these duels
1: yeah. So yeah, we get this cute scene with Utena carrying Wakaba on her back. That's my note. Utena carrying Wakaba on her back. Very cute. <laughs> I just think it's so cute when she, whenever like Wakaba jumps on her or she carries Wakaba on her back. And yeah, Utena arrives in this dorm that Wakaba's told her has been used in ten years, and that for some reason she's been assigned to this dorm in particular by you know for whatever reason. Uh, and she opens the door to the dorm room and it's a complete mess. There's like a little rat eating cheese or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she just like crumples to the floor, (laughs) which is very funny. And then (laughs) she closes the door and then opens it again and it's spotless and Anthea has made it perfect. Um, and she realizes that she and Anthe are roommates, um, and she's like, but it's a single. And then she looks on the door and Anthe has like written her name under, Mm -hmm. or someone has written Anthea's name. Um, under Utena's name we don't actually see who writes it but it all sure. happens like magic.
0: <laughs> right well I think well my read of that scene is that that's um, Utena this is like she imagines this is what she's gonna find because she knows this is a very old mm-hmm. um, sort of building so her expectation is gonna be this horrible messed up room with the rat in the middle of it um, and then we do we like hard cut to her so she's standing back up again she's at the door um, So I th- I think it's supposed to be read as like a dream or like mm. a little fantasy moment, um, but I also do love this idea of like Anthe is like superhumanly capable of cleaning a room in like matter of seconds, which I would believe it, honestly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I didn't think of it. I- I've always read it like as like literally she opens the door and closes it and opens it again. But <laughs> that is also possible. Um, and I also like that idea of this being right. this little dream, mini dream sequence. Uh, and so once again, like Utena, like still doesn't know what's going on. And she thinks it's a coincidence that the roommates, she's like, <laughs> wow, this is weird. Like, we just had this weird <laughs> thing happen yesterday where you kept telling me we were engaged and now we're roommates, that's weird.
0: Well, to be <laughs> fair, she did say she was going to forget all of that. So she's just holding true to her word.
1: Yeah, no, no thoughts had empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Valanthi's like, no, it's not a coincidence. It's the code of the rose seal. And we get this really cool scene. I love the way it's like it's framed with like Utina and Anthe like sitting across from each other at a table, and the camera keeps like panning from Utina yes. to Anthe. And there's like the window. It's really the fr- there's some really really cool framing happening in this episode, and I really love like the motion of the camera. Like it's almost like it was like, you know spinning in a circle um, as Anthe yeah. explains like what's going on.
0: It is yeah, it's a really gorgeous sequence. Um, it's like this really like deep black, and weird. it's like the windows just lighting them with these differently colored lights. It's almost like reminiscent of manga like panels i would say in terms of like how stylized it is um and i I feel like they do this twice with like when auntie is like having a conversation with someone it becomes very like stylized and artistic like uh there's one she has with Sionji and it's like these sort of like um crossfades but like not full crossfades like certain sections of the frame are crossfading into different ones it's very very cool um and yeah this episode is visually stunning i would Mm -hmm. say
1: and so this is where like, Utina asks Anthe, like, "Hey, what's the deal with the sword and the castle?" And she just says mysteries. And yeah. Utina, like, she's like, "If you don't know, like, why do you do it?" And there's this really interesting exchange where Utina asks that, and Auntie asks, "Well, why do you dress like a boy?" And Utina says, "I don't know because I want to." And then Anthe says, "Well, that's my answer." Um, and like, yeah, it's just such an interesting like conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm I love. Um, the kind of mi- again mis- this whole mystery to auntie like, she's so hard to like read um, and unpack and you can't tell exactly how much she knows or doesn't know, uh, you know, right especially it's it's a very like playful exchange, even though she's not really showing it.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's we have to remember the title of this episode, which is uh, for whom the Rose smiles, uh, presumably the like we know Auntie as the Rose Bride um and so we can assume she's the rose in question and um so but yeah it's like her expressions throughout the whole episode pretty much until the very end um are pretty blank uh, like with some other notable exceptions i would say um and so yeah it's it's hard to like you said it's hard to tell like is she joking when she says that is she being genuine when she says yeah i do it because i like it too like is she just saying that because utenna is now her betrothed and she has to repeat everything Utena says we really don't know at this point
1: yeah, I want to. I want to take out this take this time to shout out her voice actress Eureka Fujizaki because I think she's a very very difficult role um, in this show and in with the, how mysterious Anthe is and again how hard she is to read and how the nature of her character is you know very opaque and I think this is, it's so hard to play especially if you do list, watch the dub Anthe's American dub actress is not good I'm sure she's nice but it's not oh, good no. it just reads as like flat and Mm. this is very mysterious but like you 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 find yourself again i don't speak japanese i find myself like reading into the intonation of of these lines because there's just like you can tell that there's something there but we're not getting the full story and i think that's a really hard thing to nail when you have this character that's like so hard to read and we know so little about
0: absolutely and also like the other characters don't really pry or like push her on these things like Utan at no point like is like no, are you, like, telling that, like, Notina does not push her on anything. She just accepts whatever Auntie is saying at face value, um, including the fact that she has a, her only friend is a tiny little monkey named Choo Choo. A
1: gay little monkey.
0: Yes, there uh, he is.
1: I, I love Choo Choo. I, I mean, he is the moment. He's the yes. star. I love that we get the little banana um, frames instead of roses.
0: Oh, it's so perfect, yes. The best entrance for the best character, um, and yeah, I, 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 for those who have seen other works by Ikuhara beyond this, like I mean, obviously like Penguin Moaru Penguin Drum is like very focused on these little mascot creatures. Like this is like a running theme he likes to play with is just like these little, these strange little creatures. And Tutu, I think is just like a fantastic example of that. And he, even if he does almost die like within seconds of meeting Utena, Um I do also love though that. Um, Utena doesn't say like oh you're like it's weird that you think he's your friend she instantly like introduces herself to Chuchu like a person and is like instantly ready to be his friend too I love that
1: yeah and he really likes her like they, they hit it off
0: <laughs> they do um,
1: and this is also where Utena like I think this is the first time Utena protests uh, when Ambi uses Sama to refer to her I think this the first time she's like can you like knock it off with the whole engagement thing
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and yeah, and then I believe we cut to um, Seonji in his depression kendo chamber.
0: <laughs> yes, the depression dojo, and he has a real swords now. I, yeah, it's very interesting. We go from the, um, I believe they're made of bamboo, the kendo swords, um, but now full-on katanas are in play.
1: Yeah, and, and Toga is there to kind of not really console him, just kind of tell him to suck it up, basically
0: kind of egg him on honestly like Togas is not there to he's not here to make friends okay that much is clear he's here to be a weirdo and be a normal boy
1: (laughs) a totally normal boy
0: extremely a little too normal honestly um but yeah it's it's something interesting to note because we like we said we had these themes of like real versus unreal so to go from a a, 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 like a facsimile of a sword to an actual sword it's something worth noting here
1: yeah i did not notice that so i'm glad you did I yes. did not pay attention to the swords. Um, and, and in this scene, it's worth noting that, like, Sayonji is, like, mostly preoccupied with the fact that he's lost... He's lost Anthe and the sword, but he's, like... In losing Anthe, like, she's no longer obeying him. So, like, she's. He also mentions this exchange diary, um, I, which is kind of mentioned in passing. Um, but then, you know, he's like, Anthe's supposed to obey me. And it's clear that, like, it's not so much having lost... The duel. It's like having lost this like sense of control over someone and exactly. the whatever and what the duels represent.
0: Yeah he's it seems like he is the only I've, I I think that's like a fair assessment of like the other the three other student council members problems with Sayongi is that he seems to have misunderstood the assignment here. Like he's not really honoring the rules of this thing that they established here which is whoever wins the duel is the winner that's that and Anthe is not um, going to like he expects loyalty from this figure who by nature's being is not going to always belong to the same person presumably belong in quotes there obviously um, and so he's just as like upset because like no she was his like she literally like 24 hours ago was calling him Sayonji-sama and now everything is different um, and so he lashes out here um, and like you said tries to assert control physically on Auntie here in this after this little exchange they have he just fully like knocks her to the ground i like he hit her before obviously but this is like uh enough to push her onto the ground and here we get um a notable expression on Auntie's face where she looks genuinely like just devastated like she's not facing sayonji which is also something interesting because like Maybe she only feels comfortable showing that emotion when he when she knows someone can't see her. Um, mm. it's, but she looks just genuinely devastated. Um, and then Utena shows up.
1: Yeah, because like Choo Choo, meanwhile has like like is just like sitting inside at the table. Like where's where's Anthe? And then Choo like with a fork, like trying to <laughs> ex- pretend to be Seonji to like get her. Like it's very lassie. Like who's trapped in a well? Yeah. <laughs> and then like Choo Choo pulls her out of the outside and Utena uh, like sees this happen and is furious and Choo Choo's bearing a fork like it's, <laughs> it's very funny they both come to to Auntie's defense and Utena in this scene is a little rough because <laughs> she's basically like I only fought you because of Wakaba I don't care about the Rose Bride and this is where we get this conversation between Utna and Sayonji where we're panning between them and it pans and it's like Anthea is between them and she's kind of like colored like pink or she there's there's like you know there's like some sort of color over her mm-hmm. um, I said as like a prop um, uh, because mm-hmm. she is really th- this conversation neither of them are talking to her but she's very much the intermediary thing that they are co- being concerned with and it is Sayonji wanting her back and Utena basically being like, I don't care about her. I only right. did this because of my friend. And uh, yeah, Auntie seems sad. Um, it's again, hard to read her. But like this this whole conversation, like again, Utena, like she is means well, but like this conversation is a little rough because she's does clearly is being very obvious that she doesn't care about Auntie.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, I don't know like, a casual sort of cruelty. I'm sure, like, she doesn't mean it, but she's just spe- she's speaking the truth here, which is, yeah, she did only do this for Wakaba. She still, like, barely knows Anthe, because, like, we we know Anthe is kind of a bit of a closed-off person, and Utena literally did not know her name until like, the day before the that duel. Um, So you can understand where she's coming from here, and you can also understand that, like, when she says I don't care about the duel, she doesn't understand that that also means I don't care about Anthe. She, like, because, like, for Anthi, we can assume her a lot of her identity is tied to these duels. So to so say you don't care either way is to just not care about what happens to Auntie. And I don't think Utena fully understands the impact of those words or the like implication here. Even though I, I, I we do learn she does not like it when Sayonji is hurting Anthi, but she still has not made that connection that the way to stop that from happening is to do these duels.
1: Mm-hmm. And and Utena ultimately agrees to duel, and Anthe is kind of like, I thought, oh, I thought you weren't going to, and then Utena just like crushes her with, oh, I'll lose on purpose. Um, of course, again, completely oblivious to like how devastating that that could be to Anthe, and Anthe just says, you know, as you do as you please, um, Utena sama. Um, and it's yeah, it's so sad um, because yes. it's yeah, it's like to the all as far as auntie knows she's about to go back to be traded back to um sayonji this guy who's horrible to her but before that we have the shadow girls
0: we do here we are yes and we get costumes we get a freaking cowboy um showdown at the ok corral moment here um it's definitely like on the shorter side for the shadow play girls It's very straightforward, just this idea of a duel, a showdown between two people, and they kind of end on this note of like, is it really that easy to lose on purpose? Uh, That's sort of the question they're posing, the brave hero in quotes, which we can assume is Uteno.
1: Yeah, I'll have more to say on that line when we as we talk about the duel itself. Um, so I'll kind of hold off on my thought on that line in particular. But do we have any thoughts about the cactus? Because like a cactus, like, yeah. they have a prop and it's not on the wall. It's not a shadow. It's literally like you see the cactus. I don't know. I just put cactus question <laughs> mark. I was thinking of like, you know, like it hurts to touch a cactus in the same way r- roses have thorns. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think it is. Uh, that's a great. Yeah, that's something to read into. I just feel I think it's supposed to be a sort of... Um moment of like a reminder of like this is like a play that they're doing and of course they're out in the wild wild west there's got to be a cactus or like they could have like th- so had shown someone like throwing a tumbleweed across the screen like just something to like indicate this is like something somebody off screen is performing for we don't know who um yeah it's a, it's a shorter one like we said um i feel like yeah but like you said there's a, there's things in it that we can talk about when we get to the actual duel um, yeah.
1: This is the first time I see Utena, Utena's outfit change when she goes to the stairs and I think I've always think her outfit change is so funny cuz it like barely changes. It just adds like a little <laughs> fringe and like a couple like like a like some sort of like gem and like gives her like nice shoulder pads. Like Ampi kind of like waves her hands and gives her like a slightly cooler outfit.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's a very minimal transformation. I'm pretty sure like if you like ask someone to think in their mind like what is Utena's outfit look like it's like and then you ask him okay so then what does her outfit look like after the transformation they'd probably be like uh wait i thought and it's it's hard because there's really barely any difference but is treated so dramatically Mm -hmm. which is what we really need we need that
1: (laughs) so we get to see utina pull a sword from Anthi exactly as seonji did last episode using the it's the same animation like they literally just use the same animation with and put utina over uh, where where Sionji was same same movements she says the same line and I don't know I didn't notice this in the first episode but I know in this episode we see Auntie's face in the reflection of the sword as Utina pulls it I've never I've, if that happens in other like instances if that happened last time I did not notice it um, mm. but I've noticed that you see Auntie's face in the reflection of the sword as she pulls it and then during the duel we see Utina in the reflection of Auntie's glasses um, just interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't, re- I don't know if it's always um, been, like, I, yeah, I would have to go back and watch that first episode to see if we get that. Um, but yeah, I, I, the glasses thing especially is, like, I would assume very intentional to show that these sort of two, even though maybe Utena is not, like, as cognizant of it, um, these two are kind of linked together and their fates seem to be linked together. Um, and yeah, it's great visual storytelling on the part of the show um and then we get a very cool duel with a real sword and an awesome banger of a song
1: yes kind of so i have a I i took a little some notes on the lyrics so all the lyrics in this song are just like most of it's like listing a uh, different like uh geologic eras um and evokes like the birth of life um paleozoic within the flesh um at the bottom of the ocean lies a grand history, the bottom of the ocean where I'll be myself, and then ammonite um, and other Mm -hmm. geological terms. And the only, I mean, all of these evoke the past, Um, the idea of like perhaps being frozen in time. Um, Ammonite, you know, has like spirals. um, Mm -hmm. So perhaps going in circles. And so uh, my surface level analysis of the song is, we very much are literally seeing Sayonji hold on to the past um, and he's trying to change it by repeating his duel with Utna, um, and, and hoping to change uh, his fate and hoping to like restore what he believes should be the natural order of things. And so he's very much literally pro- like clinging to the past. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my read of it.
0: That makes sense to me. And yeah, for thinking about the Ammonite, which is like the final big like note of the song, um, and is like the spiral that goes down. And so you can think about. Um, Sionji on this like cyclical path but you can also think about that for auntie she probably feels the same way too she probably feels like she's just stuck in the cycle of being passed around to people um and so yeah it's it's also interesting that that though is like like you said um sort of paired with these ideas of time or depth or layers of things like going deeper and deeper um i guess what you could also read is just like we're getting further into the show like even though it's the episode two we're still just like we're kind of getting deeper and deeper like we're it's kind of uh, (laughs) I don't know how to just like I don't know we're kind of past the point of no return I would say for all for a lot of these characters like this is it like this is the birth of life like we said
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so so remember Utena's planning to lose the stool and uh, Sayonji, you know, he says that the sword of Dios, which is the sword Utina possesses now, he says it has no inherent power, and that it must be wielded by a, a good swordsman. And he says that both the sword and Amthi belong to me. Um, and he's rough with Utina. He like throws her, and she's like rolling on the ground. And it looks like he's about to like KO her, basically you know, get, get get her rose off. <laughs> and then her ring connects her to the upside down castle. And an image of someone who at least looks like her prince from her past, um, literally comes down into her body and lifts her up, possesses her. I say, and we see she's covered with the white rose, which could say the white rose symbolizes this idea of her prince, which is what we see in the the, the we saw in the background in the in the corners in her the opening s- sequence of the first episode. Um, so when we talk about the line with the shadow play girl saying losing may be harder than you think, like Utina literally tries to lose this duel and she's unable to do so because an outside force like possesses her, and she doesn't. She seems to become kind of surprised after she wins the duel. Like she doesn't seem to be aware that this has happened necessarily, and it guides her to win the duel. Like she literally can't lose a duel. When I when <laughs> the shadow girl said losing may be harder than you think, I first took that to mean like oh you won't you won't emotionally it's harder to lose and like you might not be able to let yourself lose then now i take it as like no like literally actually losing this tool might be harder than you think because there may be something else at play other than your
0: own desires exactly yeah that's a great way to sort of read into that line um i think that's pretty spot on um and also something i always like have noted about the specifically the white rose moment because to me it reads as almost like a censorship of like something indecent like i don't know i like, got uh, sexual i think in nature like i mean it's literally one person entering the body of another person like it's interesting to me that the show kind of is playing it as like a don't look at this like this is indecent for a second here um it's just uh, something to note there i think um, yeah, it, that it's odd yeah
1: it's odd because mm-hmm. until now, the roses have always been confined to the corners of the screen, framing the action. And it's it's very jarring. I remember the first time I saw this, I thought this was so bizarre for the rose to suddenly be like covering something that seems very important um, and strange. And everyone is surprised by it.
0: Yeah, I think we can, just, I, based on everyone's reactions, it's like, we don't know how much they saw visually, but they definitely saw something happen. Maybe they didn't see the prince come down, but they maybe they saw, like, a beam of light. They saw something, and they noticed. It wasn't, like, suddenly Uteno was—it's not, like, a transformation sequence in, like, another show where, like, we can just assume this is happening, like, on a different plane of existence. That Like, something physically happened in front of everyone that they could see, and um, everyone knows it. And <laughs> especially Toga, who, once again, with his cute little opera glasses— I don't know if he had his feet hanging over the wall last time. I think,
1: time. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he was I, kind of like leaning over the wall last yeah, time.
0: He, yeah, he's a little more cash this time, you know. Uh, probably not great for uh, the back because, I mean, there's no real back support there, but yeah, whatever. Um, do what you got to do. Um, and so, yeah, we like we said, though, that's kind of playing into this idea of this sort of being a repetition of the same thing we saw before um with slight differences um like we said the real sword uh toga's position like uh his posture or whatever utena's outfit uh auntie like uh, so many of these like tiny little details are just ever so slightly different but um i think yeah if, i would hope i think now utena at this point though kind of understands that something much bigger is happening now like before in the first episode like we said she plays it off as whatever um, But, like, now that this big experience happened where the prince, like, she saw the prince again, she seems to understand that something else, like, maybe she should be taking these duels a little more seriously.
1: Yeah, so she she wins again. Again, and she didn't want to, but she does. And, um, yeah, everyone involved is surprised. Sayonji, Amthi looks, like, shocked and... You know, togas. like, you know, he wonder, he asks, was that the power to bring the world revolution again? We don't know exactly what he saw, but again, he saw something that really piqued his interest even more than last time. Um, Mm -hmm. And yes, so, you know, Anthe is still now, still engaged to Utsuna, and we see them back in the dorm room eating cake. Well, Utsuna and Chuchu are eating cake, and Anthe is kind of watching um, from a distance. And Anthe, you know, kind of asked her, like, I thought you were gonna lose. And then Utena says, "Oh, I didn't do it for you. I did it for Chuchu because Sayonji would tease him. Um, okay. Because we see Sayonji like step on Chuchu in the, <laughs> the scene where they go to defend Anthe, and you know Utena and, and Chuchu are eating the cake, and we get this shot and kind of slowly zooming in on Anthe's face, and we see her smile. For like you know, we have not seen her smile much of it at all, um, or at least this is. I think this is different because she's smiling. It's like a smile no one else is seeing." Because, like, mm-hmm. when she's talking to people, we might see her smile being, like, polite. But, like, like this is no one is looking. Like, Otina has her back to her. Um, and so this is, like, a private moment. And Auntie smiles. And that is the episode's is called For Whom the Rose Smiles. And that's the moment we end on.
0: Exactly, yeah. And like you said, I feel like usually when uh, Auntie, like, smiles um, to other people, she, like, her eyes are closed. And it's very, like, tilting her head. Like, just, yeah, very... I, like almost like a mask or just like she's performing happiness at that moment or politeness or whatever but this is like you said a little private smile um and so we can assume for whom the rose smiles would be Utana, the whom in question um which we love that um, yeah, it's cute. so it is very cute uh so uh any other episode 2 thoughts before we dive into um episode 3 on the night of the ball
1: yeah um i definitely think this episode is really interesting when you take it uh, into account like comparing it to the premiere because it basically is like premiere redux but like kind of again playing with what has happened like it's just so f- great that already like this is just the second episode and we're already kind of interrogating what's already happened in the show <laughs> and and re- kind of re- redoing it but changing a few things um and so i think yeah keeping them together considering them together it's interesting and i love that we meet you too um, you know, on its own, it's not the most exciting episode of the show. Um, and again, it kind of, I de- it definitely kind of blends together my mind with the, f- the first episode. But um, it's still, yeah, we're, we're still world building. We're still like learning who these characters are and how this world works. So it's still, again, I had more to say than I thought I did. So not one yeah, of my favorites, it's... but I enjoyed it.
0: For sure. Yeah, same. It's, it's a good uh, like next step, I think, for the show here. Rather than trying to throw a bunch of new stuff at us, they're just i guess they kind of reestablish the stakes for not only us but for the characters and we kind of get more like the first episode has a lot of heavy lifting to do so the second episode can kind of just reinforce these things we've seen and now now that we've really truly established like okay this is how these duels will work like this is a thing like it wasn't just a one-off fluke that happened this is going to be like a reoccurring thing here um and so, yeah, uh, but I'm really excited to talk about episode three, though, because it is very different, I think, from the these last two, because we don't get a duel at all. There's like no swords really at all.
1: Yeah. And we get to meet uh, an excellent character.
0: Mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, she doesn't she does not show up until like, a, like, I don't know, maybe just a little bit before the second well before the act break in the middle. I think mm-hmm. we don't really see her. Oh, but um, we'll
1: get to her. <laughs>
0: we will. Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting, though, that this episode, we get the um, Prince flashback. We didn't get it yes. last episode. Um, yeah, just kind of reestablishing some stuff.
1: Yeah, before we jump into it, I do have my notes on who worked on this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, So, yeah, Go now ahead. we're jumping into On that. I had the Ball episode three. Um, in this one, the storyboards were done by Kazuhisha Takenuchi, Um and this is another Sailor Moon alum. This is the only episode of Utuna he worked on, um, but he also directed the Daft Punk movie, Into Stella 5555. Five, five, five. Oh, I'm not hell a Daft. Yeah. yeah, he directed that. Um, and he's done some other things, but that was the notable things. So that's a fun connection. Yeah. Um, and then this was uh, directed by Takasha Watanabe. And this is his only episode of Utuna and his only time co- collaborating with Ikahara. Um, but he was an animator on Miyazaki's uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And he's a very, pro- he seems to be a very prolific director. I haven't seen anything he's worked on, uh, but the Miyazaki heads, I'm sure, will appreciate that. Uh, I think that was one of the first things he did. Um, nice. And this is once again written by my boy and a um, nice. He's going to be coming up a lot. He wrote so much of this first arc. So, yeah, let's jump in. We get the Once Upon a Time again.
0: We do. Yes. And uh, something I was trying to track here in this episode, because... I mean not to jump to a head but dresses are kind of a big deal in this episode and I just like noticed you know Utena, young baby Utena's dress is like this yellow which I don't think is a color we ever associate with Utena like we never, never see her wearing yellow ever um, it's just interesting to note that's big Sort. I mean obviously <laughs> we do see her in a dress here but it's like everyone's like we literally never see you in a dress so that's just like I love the huge contrast between baby Utena and Utena that we know now
1: yeah and as we mentioned and we're going to keep mentioning this is that the you know the things that are repeated on this show are done for a practical reason to save money and save time Uh, but what things are repeated and when is important and we didn't get this uh flashback last last episode but we're getting it now um and it's like why are we getting it in this episode well at the end of last episode the prince literally seems to have possessed utina and and then in this episode the you know is very much about Toga's potential princeness, um, mm-hmm. and so there's a you know there's a reason this again to save money and time, but it's brought back in this episode in particular because she's it's like a prince sandwich of the prince events of the last episode <laughs> and everything going on in this episode. It makes sense that we're reminded and that Utna is perhaps being reminded um, of her past because she wakes like we we open on the episode of her looking at her ring again.
0: Yeah, we get this great. Um, shot of like the camera sort of like focusing like it's very like it's a blur on focus and then we like sort of as Utena wakes up becomes clear and we yeah we get the rose crest and it's like Utena is like starting to think about these things that the student council was thinking about last episode which is where did this ring come from how did this random girl get it Um, and so maybe those are those questions are starting to run through her mind now because of what happened last episode Um, so yeah I agree I practical reasons but also it makes sense for the story. Uh, but all, not just for that reason though, but I feel like um, just the idea of the idea, um, like of uh, baby Utena wanting to be a prince kind of comes up in the climax of the episode where she is uh, Auntie's prince. I mean, obviously you could say that about last episode where she like duels for Auntie, but it's, this is just like a, a like it's a school dance. Like, um, it's like a different context completely for Utena to step up and stand up specifically for Auntie. Like, but, uh, before Utena was saying, oh, it's for Wakaba, oh, it was for Choo but it's like, there's no, she can't say this was for anyone else but Auntie in this moment.
1: Yeah, this this episode, again, yeah, there's no duel. Um, I think this is the most, like, out of the three so far, the most, like, straight, like, shoujo, like, episode oh, of the show. Like, you know, the absolutely. ball and, like, the the romance, and and I'll and we'll, 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 we'll save some of that conversation when we get to it. But um, yeah so we we cut to them Utina and Anthea at, at breakfast and Utina kind of laments how they're alone in this like haunted house and she's like hey Anthea do you have any friends And Anthea's like well Choo-Choo's my friend and <laughs> Utina's like she's still like nice but she's kind of like I'm um, okay like all right <laughs> and and then they go to school they're walking to school and once again Utina asks Anthea to stop calling her Utina sama and Auntie like right as she says that all the other girls all of Utena's fangirls are calling you can see like Utena-sama Utena-sama um and U- Utena gets really flustered and we're seeing these episodes, both these episodes we're seeing Utena uh blush a lot um and but she's like Auntie, it's not a joke when you say it which is interesting
0: <laughs> I loved that line I definitely took note of that it's it's interesting because even Utena who's like Kind of, uh, it's fair to say she's a little naive. Even she can tell when Auntie is saying this, she <laughs> means it. Um, but it's also interesting to me that Utena thinks these other girls are joking. Um, that's a little presumptuous, Utena. I, I, don't know. Some of them seem pretty interested.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they like, they like want to wipe your sweat off. I don't know. It's just like very interesting that she's able to like brush off all of this. But with Anthea, it's something about it makes her very uncomfortable. Um, oh. And she, this is the point where she tells her auntie to not get off with the engagement and the rose bride stuff because she's a totally normal girl and all she wants is a totally normal boy. Um, <laughs> and I think it's really, really worth noting that. So uh, this whole conversation, we we get the cut to the girls on the side, but then when they're talking, we're seeing Utina and Auntie. It's like you know we're see, seeing just them. But right as Utina says, "I'm a totally normal girl and all I want is a totally normal boy," we pull back and get this wide shot of them in like the courtyard, and all the other students are watching. Um, again, I've, I will be, I'm theater guy here, um, this re- is just, I think it's really notable that we are being reminded of that everyone is always watching these conversations at this moment where Ushna is making this declarative statement about her so-called normalness, mm. um, and she's saying it to Auntie, and she's saying it to herself, but she's also saying it to the whole school, whether she's aware of them watching or not
0: yeah i mean she's speaking at full volume it almost feels i mean i feel like her voice does crescendo at the end just to like remind everyone i'm very straight hello (laughs) Love, love boys love them like i think yeah every gay person can relate to that Oh that yeah, I totally like remember that. To that. Ha- I'll happened. never,
1: never forget the first time I watched this episode. I, I think I, I, I tweeted about this definitely because like I was like I just started watching it and she said that I was like, oh honey, like we've all like that just felt so real <laughs> like again. It,
0: yeah, it's like yeah, you just have to ins- you're insisting a- upon it to everyone in the room. Don't worry, <laughs> totally straight, no homo, it's fine.
1: And what does it mean to be normal? Like we've this 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 show isn't called Totally Normal Girl Utana. This show is called revolutionary girl utina um she wears a boy's outfit that no one else wears um it's you know it's and later in the episode this we get even more pressure on this idea when she again toga here introduces himself as a totally normal boy and it's like well utina if you're a totally normal girl and he's a totally normal boy you two should get together (laughs) basically and and and, so yeah he, he he like makes a move on her he like runs his hand through her hair and she slaps his hand away
0: Yes, and this is a big moment.
1: Anthe is shocked that she slaps his hand away. Understandably so. Like, Anthe is like, you know, we've seen her be slapped multiple times, and she's going to be slapped again in another scene in a few minutes here. Um, but and she, but we've never seen Anthe do anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, you could imagine that would surprise her that Echna, you know, like, would slap the hand away, his the, the hand of the student council president, this older boy.
0: Exactly, yeah, it's... He's older. He's a man, and he's in a pos- the position of power, as far as we know. He's the highest ranking person of this entire school that we've seen. So the idea to to resist that, um, like we said, must be ter- like just completely foreign to Athi in that moment. Um, but yeah, it is also interesting to note that uh, Toga is one. He's just like not. <laughs> I don't know. He's not doing these things because he's romantically attracted to Utana, as far as I can tell like he's just like hmm he seems intrigued by her and then all he does is he just mirrors back what she says to her in an attempt to like appeal to her like oh yeah you want a normal boy you say well here I am and then he his other move is to physically try to control her um specifically her pink hair which is like very symbolic of Utena I think to probably a lot of viewers um, so it's interesting that his first instinct is to sort of grab at this source of like Utena's identity and make it his in that moment. Um, and she, of course, because she's our girl, she slaps the shit out of him and says, no, thank you.
1: It's very dramatic the way it's like the way it's edited in the music. it's in like kind of like a slow motion after it, as it happens. It's great. <laughs>
0: it's like a full it's like thirty seconds is dedicated <laughs> to just that slap moment. Um it's fantastic. I love it. Um. And I do also really love the way that they say playboy. They call him a playboy multiple times in English. They use the word playboy, um, which is fantastic. I'm glad that's a lone word of all English words.
1: <laughs> playboy, it, it really says so much. Um, it does. <laughs> and in the scene, she tells him that, you know, stop being so front, like, don't be so forward. And then he shows her his ring and kind of says so like, we have, you know, we have a bond. Um, and this like really shakes her. Um, and he tells her like he's just kind of like why do you have that or he, he says you know i have this ring so i could meet you and this makes her think of the prince and she wonders if toga could be the prince and she doesn't say that but it's you know she doesn't go as far to say in her head i wonder if toga is my prince but it's very clear to the viewer we've had this she's thinking about her prince and she's talking about how this ring connects her to her prince And you now she's beating this boy with the ring um, and I didn't mention in previous episodes because I kind of wanted to wait. But um, so in the the you know the flashbacks of the, Utena and the prince, the prince is represented with the white roses. And until now, and continue, we're seeing Toga is framed with white roses. Um, so even before Utena realizes this, we're getting these hints um, in the very first episode that Toga is perhaps princely or connected to the, her prince in some way. But it's funny, because we know he looks nothing like her prince, or at least her memory of the prince. Like, he, they look nothing alike.
0: <laughs> they look like nothing alike. And also, like, the prince in the flashback seems to be, like, a like a, an adult or, like, an older teenager or something. So it doesn't make sense that Utena, like, he would be the, essentially the same age at this point. But, I mean, obviously, Utena really doesn't have much to go off of here. And it's like, we don't even really know how much of this story that we hear is like something she genuinely remembers. Like she may only remember these little flashes of like a prince and the ring. She may not remember like it in as much detail as the story is presented to us. Like she just is like oh, right, I met a prince once who gave me this ring and here's the sky. And so it's probably it's a lot easier for Toga to prey on that sort of vagueness. And but it's like um it's interesting the show does not really tell us how much toga knows like does toga know about this story or is he just banking on this idea of like well she has this chris- rose chris ring we don't know how she got it i'm just gonna make this play here to be like oh you have a ring too well obviously we're connected in some way he may be saying that like in a very general sense but it has a lot more meaning to her because yeah she- it does connect us because that probably means you're my prince that i've been looking for my whole life
1: Yeah, and so we cut um, to, once again, the crack the eggshell, smash the eggshell, whatever, um, sequence of the student council going up the elevator. Um, And once again, we have Miss Orange Hair asking about Utena and is wondering, you know, what is her deal? Like, Is she trying to bring the world revolution like us? Um, And Toga says, you know, it doesn't seem like she even knows who End of the World is. And they're all still trying to figure out like why she has the rose crest.
0: Right, yeah, they're sort of, they're deepening this mystery, and it's, like, becoming more and more clear that um, not only is, like, well, Utena knows how she got it, she just doesn't know what it's for, where it's kind of the opposite for these guys, like, they know what this Rosecrest does, they just don't know how she got hers. Um, so it's like these two groups have the separate pieces of information, but they just are not, at this point, really willing to share those that with each other. Um, which is interesting.
1: Toga hasn't- this is the first episode where Toga meets Utena. Like, he's been watching her for the past two episodes. And like, you know, orange hair and blue hair, they still haven't met Utena. And so we're seeing so much of the- it's so interesting. We're seeing so much of the student council talking about her. But until this episode, the only person who had met her was Sayonji. Um, and now Toga has finally formally met her. Uh, but these other two are still- they haven't- we don't even know if they've seen her um but they still she still features so heavily into these discussions it's just interesting that so much is happening with both sides of these stories but very little interaction so far
0: yeah i mean yeah and obviously yutana has no idea what's going on there like obviously there's like an imbalance there because they have a lot more information than she does but like it's still there's the disconnect like not everyone has the full picture yet um but yeah so uh i believe next we meet someone very important. I mean, well, this is after we get, like we said, Auntie getting hit um by this trio of girls. I don't know if we've seen this trio before. Mm-mm,
1: I don't think so. Okay.
0: So these are new characters, unnamed at the moment, but they're mad they're upset at Auntie for um presumably for mistreating Sionji. It's like not really said explicitly, but it seems to be there's like rumors going around that Auntie did something to Psyonji to like upset him, and since Sayonji is very popular and she's not, that obviously must mean she did something wrong, and she needs to be punished by his fangirls presumably.
1: Yeah, so so one of them slaps her, and they're like, "We want our old Sayonji back." And then this girl arrives, and we learn her name is Nanami, and she's framed with yellow r- roses, so we know immediately she's important. Um, these you know these other girls were not framed with any sort of border. We don't know their names, but we immediately learn her name. And we immediately uh, see that she's framed with yellow roses. So again, we know she's going to f- be an important figure in the story. And she kind of, you know, comes to Auntie's rescue. She asks if she's okay. And she has they have this conversation where she's like, Oh, this you're so popular with the boys because you've been nominated for this year's dance queen at the upcoming school ball. And she tells Auntie, Nanami tells Auntie she's wanted to be friends with her for a long time. Um, but it's just- you, she just come, literally like, comes out of the shadows. And yeah. it's, like, has, <laughs> like, all
0: these news. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, totally not here to emotionally manipulate in this moment, girlfriend. Like, here, we're besties. Guess
1: um, they gatekeep go boss.
0: <laughs> has entered the goddamn building. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's- like we said, though, yeah, yellow roses. Something to note there, since I was before talking about Utana. baby Utana's dress is also yellow. Um, and Nami wears a yellow dress later on, uh, just something, something to think about. Um, because obviously colors are very important in this show. We might know, no, we might not know why they're important, but we, it's just something to note as yeah, we're watching these, through.
1: These things were, were like, at least some level of thought went into what colors are associated with which characters and when, and there's probably no concrete one specific meaning we can pull out of what a color means, because the meaning of colors especially when we talk about like flower, like language can differ across cultures. Um, And so, you know, I think it's totally fair to speculate on on these colors, but obviously we're never gonna have the exact 100% answer what these colors mean, which is why it's so fun.
0: I I thought that was the goal here. We're, We're just gonna explain everything about Utena to like, with zero room for interpretation, like yeah, we're gonna we're-
1: solve Utena.
0: <laughs> Exactly. Um, <laughs> um,
1: so I think then the next week cut back to the dorm room, right?
0: Yeah, and we get the Joker card here.
1: Mm, um, it's I didn't a notice des- that.
0: Yeah, it's a different design. I believe I think they're playing like Old Maid or something similar, where the goal, obviously, but, and by they, I mean, of course, Auntie and Choo Choo. I
1: love how the scene is framed. It's so <laughs> funny. The framing, there's a lot of great humor on the show with the way certain shots are framed. A lot of great, like, physical comedy, I think,
0: with the framing. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, you would assume Auntie's playing with Utena here, but nope, it's with the little Choo Choo. Like, Utena's um, not yeah. even
1: playing. She, They're not even, like, all <laughs> playing together. Utena's, like, across the room watching them play.
0: Yes, it's, it's perfect, so perfect. But yeah, Auntie grabs the Joker card. It's a different design than the Joker cards we got last episode, but it's just like, so Joker, wild cards, something something is going on here with this card imagery. Um,
1: Perhaps referencing the fact that Nanami's going to play a practical joke on her.
0: Exactly, <laughs> pranks are afoot. That's what the Joker <laughs> <laughs> means. Nanami's going
1: to go Joker mode. Um,
0: oh, the Jokerification.
1: Of Nanami, Nanami Kiryu.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So, once again, Utena's like, okay, why is your only friend a gay little monkey? Like, you know, she's still being kind of nice about it. (laughs) And then a package arrives for Anthe from the quote-unquote committee for the ball. (laughs) Um, And then (laughs) Utena gets a package from Toga, and they both have dresses in them.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, we get the uh, lime green for Anthe, and a pink, like, rose pink for Utena, which I feel like instantly tells you... Someone's trying to get one over on Athi. Because, I mean, as much as I love the color green, it's not a particularly appealing green. I think Liz Lemon would refer to them as giving witchy undertones. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Athi doesn't seem to mind. Um, Utena definitely minds having to wear this very pretty dress, though.
1: Yeah, and Utena doesn't want to go to the ball because she says it's the dress is like, you know, it's not her style. And Athi's yes. like, okay, I won't go either. Um, and this is where we learn that Anthe doesn't like places with a lot of people. Um, and she Mm -hmm. says everyone's face starts to look the same and she gets scared. Um, and it's, yeah, this is where we're actually learning something about Anthe, that she's a fear of crowds and, you know, doesn't like being around a lot of people. Um, and this of course will come up at the actual ball. Um, and she kind of just like goes back to playing cards with Tutu, you know, she's not interested in going to the ball. And then Utna very firmly tells her that, you know, you need to make a lot more friends. Um, and you should go to the ball to make a lot more friends. And Amthi agrees, but you know she's only really agreeing because Utano is like, you should do this.
0: Yes. And I love that throughout this, um, we keep getting flashes, shorter and shorter flashes of Choo Choo, like, being offended. (laughs) Every time (laughs) she's like,
1: who's your, like, why are you friends with this little monkey?
0: (laughs) He's like, "Uh, we're friends, too, first of all. Second of all, what's wrong with that? Um, I do like that she eventually concedes, okay, more friends. Like, Choo Choo is a friend. It's okay to be friends with Choo Choo, but... um, yeah, so I, mean, I think it's, like, the very last one. It's just, like, a short little shot of him, it's like, so reacting. It's so funny. Like, he hears her somehow. It's so cute. I love it.
1: Yeah, again, the comedy on the show, when the show, is, like, has such great I mean, comedic timing and the re- repetition of, like, bits is really great. This is going to come up more in, in later episodes, but I think this show is immensely funny. And this, the, this little, like, you know, back and forth between Utena and Choo Choo, where very few words are exchanged, are very funny. Um, Absolutely. And we get before we go to the ball we get the shadow girls and girl i don't know what to make of this one <laughs>
0: <laughs> see i feel like i okay so just to set the scene it's um i believe one of the shadow play girls is like in a princess dress and the others in like a prince outfit and then we got two dogs yes and they keep barking um one of them for sure keeps saying wan which is like the uh, japanese onomatopoeia for bark um i don't know what the other one is saying but it's um like these two dogs are sort of taking bearing witness to whatever the girls are doing here. They're like sort of playing out the sort of prince princess narrative.
1: Well, it's confusing, it's interesting because we have it's it cuts between the two girls just as girls and they're talking, and then we one there's just one dog, and then it cuts to them in the prince and princess outfit, and then there's two dogs, and then it cuts back to the two them as two ladies and just one dog, and then it cuts back to the prince and princess with the two dogs. And that is the aspect I don't know what to make. <laughs> like, like what to make the of The
0: numbers.
1: What, why yeah. are the- why is there one dog and then two dogs? Like, I definitely think the prince and princess outfits, the the two girls turning into prince and princess is, like, sh- foreshadowing that at the end of this episode, Auntie and Utina are going- at this ball are going to kind of fall into their respective roles as prince and princess. Um, that I get. It's just that I'm hung up on the number of dogs and it could mean (laughs) nothing. I'm, I'm, this totally fine, like, again, finding concrete meaning and this is, you know, pointless. But like, in terms of what it could potentially mean, I'm still kind of stumped.
0: Right. To me, like, I don't know what the significance of the numbers is, but to me, my interpretation of dogs, my first thing, thing I'm thinking of is just like the old saying, of like, men are dogs. And they're just kind of sitting here, like, kind of leering at these two women engaging in this. Um, and so maybe the the dogs could be representative of Toga, um, and the other men, or it could be representative of these, like, people who are there watching this go down and don't really help or intervene in any way. They're almost, I mean, lap dogs is another way to interpret it, Uh, like, Nanami's friends, that could be it. Um, I guess it's just, yeah, it's worth noting that they are not human, um, I don't know what the numbers could mean I don't know if there's like some that's the other danger of this is like there may be some sort of pun or like play on words that's going down that we don't really know as like people who don't know Japanese but um yeah that's as far as I can tell is that's my interpretation all right
1: I'm I'm satisfied with that and and hopefully if any of our listeners have any interpretations they'd love to offer please send them to us because you know, we can't solve Utena by ourselves. <laughs> oh, <Or> we're
0: gonna.
1: <laughs> we're going to. We are going to figure out what Utena is now. Um, so then we cut to the ball, and this is where we learn that Nanami is Toga's little sister. Um, now, I have not seen a ton of anime where this is present, but I do know that a, it's very common arch- character archetype in anime, and in manga, is the, the girl who, little girl or younger girl who's obsessed with her brother. Yes. This is um, a common uh, character trope. I don't know if you have more reference points for that.
0: Um, Well, all I can really speak to in that regard is that, well, the word you probably would see associated with this would be imoto, which just means little sister. Um, It's it's just like, like you said, it's this trope of this like little girl with an older brother who like idolizes her brother to the point of like, it's usually they'll say something like, oh, I'm going to marry you when I grow up like this sort of like fascination, like they're sort of projecting their um, like from I don't know like they're taking their familial love for their brother and like it's border it starts to border on romantic um I think unfortunately it becomes very um uh I don't know what the exploitative or like it, the intent is to, to titillate sometimes but I don't think that's really what's going on here. Um, it's just like it's supposed to just represent the characters like pretty childish if they're like oh like kind of like I guess kids, we know, like, we'll say to their parent of like, whatever, like, Oh, I'm going to marry you one day, dad. Or I'm going to like, cause it's like, you just see, you don't really understand what that means, but you just know you have this sort of affection for your family member. Um, and so that seems to be what's going on here. Yeah,
1: and um, Nanami's yeah. age is not mentioned in this episode. I don't know if it's ever mentioned explicitly, but like it is worth noting, she's thirteen. Like I think she's like one of the younger characters on the show, and certainly the characters we've been introduced so, to so far. Just a reminder: Utena, Anthi, and Wakaba are all like fourteen, and then you know, uh, you know, uh, Toga and Sayonji are both like sixteen or seventeen. Uh, so Nanami is thirteen. Um, and again, it's hard to tell in anime sometimes, like any animated <laughs> yeah. thing, but especially here where we we don't know who's in the middle school, who's in the high school. Um, but yeah she's nanami's quite young and so this is a very you know childish obsession with her brother um that she turns into her trying to hurt um auntie because she thinks that uh toga's obsessed with auntie
0: yes um and yeah i mean i was talking before about the yellow dress on baby Utena. that's something also so maybe yellow is sort of this idea of like youth or someone being immature or um yeah that's just maybe that's what the yellow could mean um and it's like so it makes sense that nanami is being a very childish character here um but also unlike a, like an actual child like a like a toddler like someone in, like in grade school she can like do real damage here and she does pretty like devastatingly to auntie here with this dissolving dress trick yeah. gotta applaud the ingenuity <laughs> it's quite the prank for
1: a 13 year old <laughs>
0: absolutely but yeah that's i think that's sort of like the um scary thing about her is like she is so immature but she can yeah she's able she has the resources and the willingness to like really hurt someone just for the sake of like she's not even operating on like concrete information she just thinks her brother likes auntie a lot and so she's gonna punish auntie for that
1: yeah and so before we get into the actual dissolving of the dress um we we have Utina and auntie entering the ball and utina's wearing the dress Sayonji sent her and all of her friends her fans love her wearing the dress. the dress they're like she looks cool in the boys outfit but she looks even cooler in a dress and this mm-hmm. is really interesting it's like is it the novelty of it um, you know, because in, in one way her dressing like a boy is a novelty, but now her dressing like a quote-unquote girl is, for know that's a novelty, because her normal outfit is a boy's outfit. Just interesting, because you would, th- you might think that, like, oh, the the girls are only interested in Utina because she's dressed like a quote-unquote boy, but even when she's wearing the dress, they're still interested and really fascinated.
0: Yes, um, it's, yeah, plays in, uh, <laughs> into, like, yeah, this idea of gender that's going on here, um, And it's also, though, worth noting, like we said, Uten is just not comfortable. No,
1: she's like embarrassed and flustered the whole time. Like her face is red like the entire time
0: she's wearing the dress. Right. And so it's like it's very notable that she literally her first instinct is to rip off her dress and reveal that of course she's in full uniform under there. Of course she is, Um, which is just such a fantastic moment. I love that um and i also do love that she is quite the seamstress under, in a pinch <laughs> it's like, quite,
1: it's a great moment
0: <laughs> yes um but yeah that's jumping ahead a little yeah <laughs> so so Utena's really
1: embarrassed and Auntie blames herself of course Auntie's first instinct is to blame herself but like Utena's the one that like forced Anthe to go to the ball and it just again shows how <laughs> Auntie positions herself and views herself um, but yeah, Utena's the one who like made them go. Like Anthe was like, fine, we'll hang out and play cards with Chuchu. And Utena's like, no, you have to make friends. Um, and Utena's partially going because she's curious about Toga. She's not interested in Toga, but she's kind of wondering what his deal is. And uh, before we get to Utena and Toga, we have Nanami pulling Anthe aside to where the quote-unquote nominees are. Um, and Utina's like, oh, I'm so happy. Auntie made a friend, and then we get that cut to Choo Choo, like f- of just his back, and he's like chewing, and he freezes.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's great. Um, right. And then this is where we get the Utina
0: and Toga scene. Yes. The big takeaway I get from this scene is the phrase picture, picture perfect that Toka uses. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, that like I said before, nothing of that Togo does here speaks to romance in any way. It's all about possession and image for him. Like this idea of, oh, we would look great together, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of the, anyone's feelings, it's purely about wh- how do we look. And
1: because. he's clearly interested in whatever power she has. Like, it's because it's, he's been watching the duels and she doesn't know that. Again, he's operating on way more information than she is. And she doesn't really know how much he knows about, you know, the the duels and what has happened. He's been the one person spectating them. And, you know, he's clearly has, alter- whatever his ulterior motives are, you know, he's he's not motivated by, it. he's motivated by being fascinated by her, but also by what power she might possess because he knows clearly she has something that could be the power to revolutionize the world, whatever that is. Um, and yeah, and, and but Utina kind of, again, she doesn't say it outright, but she basically says that the only reason she came was because she thought he might be her prince. You know, she kind of, and she never says the word my prince, but that's very clear that's what she's thinking. Um, and it's clear she's kind of, doesn't think that's the case, or like she hasn't been convinced that that's the case. Um, right. And she's like, this does, this dress doesn't suit me.
0: Yes, very, yeah, that's such a perfect sort of encapsulation of Utena's character. Like, the dress doesn't suit her. She needs to be in that prince uniform. Um, But yeah, I guess another little Toga note before we uh, move on. It's interesting, like we said, like, he's very interested in an Utena, but he's expressing it by trying to be romantically involved with her. Like, he could just as easily just try to be her friend. Like, he doesn't have to be... Move, literally, like, making moves on her or trying to convince her that they should be a couple. Like, he could just be, like, friendly to her if he really wanted to. Um, so it's obviously about something even, more like, about control. Like, uh, it's not about, like, just getting that person on your side or learning more, really, to him. It just feels like he doesn't know what's going on, but he needs to make sure that he's the one in possession of that or who, one who can control that in some way.
1: And so, like, as they're having this conversation... Uh, we Nanami has led Auntie out into the dance floor and leaves her there and We see Anthe s- seeing all the faces in the crowd and there 's this like great these great shots of the faces in the crowd looking kind of horrific and like you know like drawn um, and you know auntie like seems to be having some sort of like anxiety attack or some sort of panic attack or yeah. this this bad reaction to being left in the middle of the room. And this is where Nanami goes over to her lackeys. And we realize, again, this is where the big reveal that she's been working with these girls and that she thinks that Auntie has stolen her brother. And she's concocted this elaborate ruse to embarrass Auntie by having a waiter spray champagne on her dissolvable dress. And it's never made clear, like, did she pay this waiter to do this? It's, it's never explained. But again, no. such an elaborate ruse for a 13-year-old girl who was only, as far as we know, who, like, only had a few days to concoct. <laughs> like we don't know how long she's been planning this right. um she's got the dissolvable dress she's got the waiter in on it um and you know because clearly orchestrated this whole dance clean ruse it's just <laughs> very funny
0: it is. I mean, you got almost got to wonder, like, does she always have this in her back pocket? Like, yeah. she's like, she's always just like, she always has a plan for it, just in case someone wrongs her needs to be punished. <laughs> she's got like she's a dissolvable
1: got... dress and a dissolvable suit, depending on the gender presentation. It, it, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and so we get this moment where you know, um, as Utana is talking to Toga, he's he's making a move on her. He's like, kind of like trying to get her to dance with him. I can't remember exactly what he does. Again, she's un- uncomfortable. And then as this is happening. Um, we hear a scream, and then we cut to Anthe with the, the dress like has just started to dissolve, and Utina leaves this conversation with Toga, rips off her dress, it goes flying in the air. Again, we've learned this entire time she's had, she's like Clark Kent, she's <laughs> like had her Superman costume underneath the dress the whole time, and um, she runs down the stairs, jumps on a table, and then rips off the the tablecloth and fashions a dress for Auntie and then asks her to asks her to dance and then Choo Choo puts on a record and they have this romantic dance. I it's framed romantically, again, like the, the flower petals and everyone's watching.
0: Just gals being pals.
1: And I wanna jump back to the idea of the totally normal girl who wants a totally normal boy. <laughs> because what again, what does it mean to be totally normal? And in another show, in another like, you know, perhaps another shojo anime, this would be a pretty classic romantic setup. Um, you know, this boy who is interested in her, who is older than her. Again, often we see these, like, not just in shoujo anime, but in all sorts of romantic stories for girls. It's often an older boy um, and a younger girl. You know, he gives her a dress. They're at this romantic ball. He asks her to dance. Um, in another show, this would be a classic romantic setup where the quote-unquote totally normal boy gets with the totally normal girl. But even with all these clear classic romantic elements, again, the dress, the ball, him offering her to dance, she's still uncomfortable and uninterested. And so this episode kind of immediately, like literally immediately puts pressure on Utena's declaration of being a totally normal girl, especially when she saves Anthy and dances with her instead of Toga. I don't know about you, but there's nothing totally normal about ripping off your dress to reveal Prince costume underneath, jumping on <laughs> table, and rescuing another girl before asking her to dance. Um, and so we're just immediately getting, having Utena like, kind of be contradicted, I think. Because it's like, you know, again, what does it mean to be totally normal? She d- never articulates what that is.
0: Yeah, she's just operating purely on what she believes to be normal. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but that was pretty normal to me. I've done that, like, <laughs> oh, a couple yeah. <laughs> a handful of times. Um, no, yeah, I just, I like you said, I love that. And I love that we linger on the dance for quite a like a while. It's like a pretty extended sequence there where they're just kind of like in this sort of other zone, separate from everyone else, which is another notew- like notable part of that scene is that nobody steps in to help Auntie. nobody. And it's like, we don't, I mean, maybe literally everyone here was in on it, but you had got to assume not everyone here knew this was going to happen. And yet no one makes a move to help Auntie for a quite a while because she's like, just there huddled, covering herself and everyone is just staring at her. Um, and so that's just something else to note. But then, but once Utena shows up, it's like, that doesn't even matter.
1: Everyone's still watching. Like we know, they're still watching. The but it's in that scene, like the room fades away.
0: Yeah, it's it's so beautiful and so gorgeous, and so of course these two asshole twin uh, siblings have to ruin it. Um, like Toga, I think what I noted about what he had to say about the situation was that he was just mad at Nanami for ruining his plan. Like that's he wasn't mad at. Nanami for terrorizing a girl for terrorizing the Rose Bride. He doesn't care. He watched Sayonji do that. I mean he commented on it but he never did anything to stop that either. He's mad that Nanami kind of got in the way of him making a move on Utena. And Nanami's the same way. She's pissed that Utena got in in front of her plan. Um, It's yeah. These two suck. (laughs) They're very mean. (laughs) That's my note. They're
1: all about plans and pranks they um, are
0: and not even like in a precocious way it's just mean um and yeah i do also note that it's uh auntie's new dress it's like white but it still has these like green undertones and it's more like a mint green that we're more used to seeing like that line green was very like uh, garish and like a little alarming looking and this is more like what the almost like the color of auntie's eyes green it's like the soothing like ocean green it's very pretty
1: yeah, and then when we have that conversation with Nanami and Toga, Nanami finally finds out that Utsuna's really who her brother's interested in. Maybe, we don't know, you know, he's at least fascinated with her and that it wasn't Anthe. So, like, Nanami learns, like, the, the kicker is that, you know, she's been <laughs> worried about the wrong person, essentially.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, man, it was all for nothing. I just horribly traumatized this completely innocent girl. But, I mean, knowing Nanami, it's like... She probably doesn't care like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, Oh, oops. I got the wrong target. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a very sweet ending for um, an episode that like has a lot of very dire moments for the characters just emotionally. Like obviously no one's getting swords flung at them like they were last episode. Um, but it still is. It's almost like a full on carry at the prom moment for auntie. It's like just, yeah, emotional terrorism going on here. And, but it still gets to end on the sweet prince and princess moment.
1: Yeah, and at these two episodes again, these aren't. Uh, this is not a two-parter, but it it kind of follows this arc of, you know, Utina kind of slowly falling into this role of being auntie's prince. Again, she's resisting it in the second episode, you know, and she's still resisting in this episode, you know, you know, knocking off with the engagement stuff. But by the end, that, that's a, that, that's a very heroic thing Utina does, and it's very princely. However you want to define what a prince is it is mm-hmm. you know she literally like saves auntie like a damsel in distress and it's kind of you know it serves as a nice kind of ending to these first three episodes you know that we talked about the premiere and then these two that are kind of like now we're really gonna start getting into the rhythm of the show
0: right yeah I think yeah and it's it's good that we hit on a dance number then because I mean I feel like um we didn't really talk about the music um in the, the second episode, but there's some banging tunes there with the, the when they're pulling the sword out of Auntie. that's a dope club beat right there. Oh yeah, I will say. Utena in the club. Yes, yeah, that's a, for those who don't know, there is a full Utena soundtrack r- club remix, official, that you can find called Utena in the club. I believe it's like, a, um, The
1: absolute destiny ball, I think.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> it ball, goes. Yeah. <laughs> Tina, yes, Tina is part of ball culture now, I think, um, just as if the show were even more queer. Um, so, yeah, I uh, any thoughts, I guess, concluding on both of these episodes or just this one before we wrap up here?
1: I love this one, this episode a lot. Um, it's it definitely stands out to me among all the episodes in the show, again, especially among the first way we've seen, because it's, again, the first one without a duel and the one that comes closest to playing the like, kind of like shoujo anime stuff straight. But of course, ultimately doesn't. Um, and it's, it's just fun. It's 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 fun, and I'm I love it. This introduction to Nanami, I like. I can't. I like. I feel like it's impossible. Like to not. For like, I can't remember if I was surprised that she turned out to be mean, because like the show like <laughs> makes you think she's not. That like, she's just so comical, and I'm so yeah. excited to talk about her more. She's a a gem. Um, I think she, yeah, this is not, not the last we're going to see of Nanami, as we saw with the she was framed with roses, again, she's important. Yes. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, It's a fun kind of like, as close to like Slice of life episode as this show will get. It's, it's fun. And it's a nice way to kind of segue into the kind of real meat and potatoes of the show that's to come. Because now we've met everyone, no, we don't know everyone's names, but we're, we're slowly meeting these players and it's going to get interesting.
0: Yes, that, yeah, that's a good way to put it. We're setting up the pieces um, to really, really get into it. Um, and yeah, I agree. I really like this episode. This is like one episode I think a, a lot of people would say kind of sticks out. Maybe because it is playing with these like straightforward um, shoujo tropes. However, the show is anything but straight. Is I think, period. the takeaway here. <laughs> literally. So, of course, it's going to have to end with two girls having their dance together. Um, and so yeah i'm just like you said excited to really get into the nitty-gritty but i do um i guess one final note is that these first three episodes are also a good job of showing that yeah we'll have these duels but that's not what this whole show is about um which is also nice it can this show is not always going to do exactly what you think it's going to do it can it can revolutionize itself pretty regularly whenever it needs to. So I'm ready to really, really get into it.
1: Same, I'm so excited. So next week, we're gonna do another two double feature. And this one is truly um, a coming episode will truly be a two-parter. And we're gonna be discussing the Sunlit Garden prelude and the Sunlit Garden finale. So again, just look at this episode of how it's very obviously a two-parter. So yeah, we'll be doing episodes four and five next week.
0: Yes, exciting. Um, So, Christine. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you online?
1: Yes, so I'm on Twitter at Xteen underscore files and on Instagram at at the Xteen files and if you like the television program Survivor uh, you can read my writing on Inside Survivor just look up Inside Survivor and my name Christine Palin. Um, How about you Derek? Uh,
0: You can find me at Rain Derricks on Twitter and you can find uh, me at the uh i don't know brother podcast is that what we're gonna call uh bitter jurors sure. um we're so, the little uh,
1: sister and bitter jurors is the big yeah. brother we're obsessed with
0: uh big bitter jurors is our um Onisama. <laughs> um so yeah bitter jurors i with my uh, my friend i guess our friend sam um and we talk about we did talk about survivor uh we then we talked about avatar the last airbender and now we're talking about the legend of korra um so if you're interested in any of those things or even just interested in listening to me ramble on about cartoons even more than you already are, um, yeah, you can find us at Bitters pod on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Awesome, so yeah, we'll be back next week to discuss uh, The Sunlit Garden, part one and two. And yeah, this was fun. Again, I'm it's such a pleasure, Derek, <laughs> to yes, talk you. about this show.
0: Absolutely, thank you again, Christine. I don't know if we said this, but this was Christine's idea, so thank, thank you, you. <laughs> so much. <laughs> for coming to me with this idea because I'm always so happy to talk about one. I'm always so happy to talk with you about media, but specifically Utena I think is something that uh, a lot more people need to have talked to them about that sentence doesn't make sense we all need to talk about utana more everyone should be talking
1: about utana we should constantly talk about utana
0: exactly Uh, um (laughs) but yeah thank you christine for joining me once again and thank you everyone for listening
1: yeah um have a great week everyone live heroically and with style
0: oh yes and be a normal boy girl non-binary yeah whatever be a normal whatever you are okay that's the message of the show
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right (laughs) bye